0: If you were with us last week, we just covered the first point. The first point is simple, the importance of Bible intake. And last week we talked about two different things, uh, two particular reasons. But first, God gives us new life through Scripture um, and new birth through, through scriptures, the Scriptures. And so conversion can't occur unless you're exposed to the Word of God. This is part of the the... the formula and so if you are being converted it is not because of someone's testimony but because of the word of god that has been given to you and the call to repentance and faith so it gives us new life but also it sustains our life right Uh, the bible is actually the the modes and means at which um, god has given us to learn to love him more and be transformed into the image of christ further so that's, it gives us new life, and it sustains us in our Christian life. So, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever given you guys the sanctification talk. Have I given you the sanctification talk? Who knows the cross chart? I know you don't. Know I know you could, some of you guys know. You, you know the cross chart? you uh, talked about it. I've talked about it. Okay, I have talked about it, just not particularly. Yes, I'm going to do it right now. So, bear with me. Here's the cross chart in the air. Uh, we go and we start our lives on this path and we are not saved we're in the first Adam so it's a straight line right and then at the moment of conversion where we encounter the gospel and there's two things that happen to us we now can see that we are sinners and that we need a savior right and so our lives uh, basically uh, start to split in two different paths of knowledge one is The knowledge of how sinful we are, okay, and also the knowledge of how holy God is. So we got these two divergent paths, right? As we go and we see how sinful we are, we understand how much holier God is than us, right? And how much we need Him. And in the process of the Christian life, once after you've been converted, you see the cross, you should be seeing the cross greater and greater and greater. It should have more and more impact on how grateful you are in Christ Jesus. So that cross should grow and that cross grows in our life. So we have life before Christ, conversion, we've got these two divergent points, how sinful I am, how holy God is, and how grateful I am for Jesus and his work. Okay? So, can I ask you a question? Is it possible to grow in that gratefulness without knowing what Christ has done? Uh, I think you can think about it in a way that would say that it's possible because you can grow more grateful and grateful for what you know of what Christ has done. But will you be deepening your knowledge of God in such a way that it makes you ever and ever more grateful for what Christ has done? Because really, you don't learn, you're, you're correct, you can't learn about God's holiness unless you have heard his word or read his word. And you can't know how uh, much you need the Christ and the cross, without actually knowing how sinful you are, which is shown to you in the Bible. So, reading the Bible is extremely important to our Christian life. In fact, it is the impetus for growth in holiness. Okay, so the growth in godliness, uh, growth in godliness is. Tantamount to how much you actually know and appreciate and worship through reading the scriptures. Okay, so we got these two things that God does with scripture, why it's important um, for us to have Bible intake. New birth, and it sustains us through the Christian life. Does anybody have any questions before I move on? Because we're going to start talking about other things. But we have to have that foundation. If, God, if you don't realize that you were converted because of the word of God and the Holy Spirit using those words, the word of God, then you're missing, you're missing part of it, right, at best. But also, if you don't realize that your life is sustained by the word of God, you will never grow in your knowledge of him or in, in your gratefulness for him. So let's talk about some consequences really quickly. What do you think a consequence of not reading your Bible and knowing how holy God is, knowing how sinful you are, and growing in gratefulness? What, is, what do you think a consequence of that might be as you go through your Christian walk?
1: You just don't grow. You don't grow. You just have to stay where. Yeah. Go ahead. You see
0: yourself as more holy, than you just yes, you you see yourself. You can underestimate your. Your sinfulness, right? And God told you. The
1: scriptures become less and less important.
0: They become less and less important. And so, what grows in importance? The world. the world does, right? And what part of the world may grow in more important for you as you go? Like the world, guess, But like, what about the world will become Their view. your the world view? Yes. Their values. Anything you find interesting, right? These are all true, right? Uh, how about fear? Yeah. Think about fear. What do you fear when you're growing in holiness and growing in your understanding of what Christ has done? Sin, unholiness. Un- unholiness, right? You, if you fear anything, it's it's unholiness. But it's more you I, you fear the Lord. You're growing in the fear of the Lord, right? And if you fear the Lord, what else can you be afraid of?
1: Failure.
0: No, uh, if you're properly you, failure in what way?
1: Failure Norway. in not. How do I put it? You know how holy God is. Uh huh. And when you make when you make a mistake, you go.
0: You know, I did it again. You know, it's, it, yeah. It's but,
1: almost like you, you always want to please your Father, your earthly Father,
0: and, and when you fail,
1: you're in your heavenly Father.
0: But if you're growing in sanctification, you're growing in gratefulness for what Christ has done. That's true. And He is overshadowing That's true. that. And you can go to the Father in in repentance now, right? And just, Father, forgive me. I did not know what I was doing, or I didn't know what I was doing. In, i was I anyway. yeah. Which is another problem. It's a whole other issue, right? But um, I'm I'm now derailed. Where was I? Fear. Fear, fear, fear of the Lord. So if we're growing in sanctification, we're growing in our fear of the Lord, not fear of man, not fear of what might happen. But if we're not growing in the fear of the Lord, which is growing in sanctification, um, then what are you growing in fear of? What will you be afraid of? The world, man, death. You'll definitely be afraid of death. You'll do whatever you can to not die in some sense, right? Try anyway. Uh, what, What else do you grow in fear of? How about in the political arena, what do you grow in fear of? The wrong person getting elected. If you're growing in the fear of the Lord, does it matter who's getting elected? Yes and no. But do you fear that person, or do you fear the consequences of those things? No. You you understand that God's using that for some some reason. So Bible intake grounds our faith right in the Lord and not in the world. Right? Reading the Bible, reading the scriptures grounds our faith in the blessed one, the one who blesses. Right? The Holy One. Um, of all, above all things. So, I want I want to challenge you so, with something. If you don't understand the blessings, uh, even if you do understand the blessings that come from reading the Bible, I want you just to read through Psalm one nineteen, just one time. I'm not going to do that today. I am going to read the first eight verses and listen to how the Word of God is treated. And how much life comes from it. So let me let me read the first eight verses, and then we're gonna get into our second point. Psalm 119 says this: Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So there's a consequence to reading the Bible, right? And there's a consequence for not reading the Bible. On both sides. And so not nah, reading the Bible makes you look like the world. And reading the Bible, not just reading the Bible. So don't hear me just say, oh, if I read this, it'll make me magically better. It'll magically make me more holy. It, I know a lot of guys who know a lot of scripture, and they are atheists. Okay? The only reason why they read their Bible is to shut you down <laughs> as Christians. So it doesn't, it's not magic, guys. But it is, as a Christian... Where we learn who God is. So, and how we are supposed to act according to his word, right? And grow in um, our love for him. Can't do that if you don't know him. Can't do that if you don't read about him. Can't do that if you're not praying and communing with him. And so, this whole, this whole track, this whole, um, whatchamacallit, how to grow class is about growing closer to the Lord and learning how to do that better. So, let's get into it. Point number two, if you don't have a... Can someone be a good deacon and pass out these to people who don't have them? You don't have to. Be, I didn't necessarily
1: need you to be the deacon. What
0: class It says course seminars. It's not, not correct. What's that? Which one are you looking for?
1: I'm not sure if I have the most recent Mine says... Class two.
0: You need the three. You need number three. If not, we have extras. We're on point number two. We talked about the importance of scripture reading last week, which is conversion or new birth. And number two, sanctification or our walk in Christ. Uh, Where we are in now is point two. Uh, preparing to receive the word. Can I have one of those? It's a little easier for me to know where I'm at. Preparing to, to receive the word. And so what do you think we're going to talk about when we talk about preparation? Preparation to read our Bibles. What do you think we need to prepare? Our hearts and our minds. Our hearts and our minds. It's simple. And yet, how many of us just dive in and go, why didn't I get anything out of this? Right? How many times have you read your Bible and you went, what am I supposed to even see this for? A lot. Uh, In fact, if you're not preparing your heart to receive God's word, then you're going to have a hard time even knowing that what you're reading is something other than just words on a page. Right? You You could even dissect the sentence if you want to that you're looking at. But if you don't realize or prepare your heart to receive it as God's Word, because it is God's Word, then your heart probably will look at it more academically than it will as a speaking to your Father, or your Father speaking to you. So, we're going to go through various ways of how to read our Bibles in a few minutes, but before we get there, let's talk about our heart posture toward the Scriptures themselves. That way we can actually... Put ourselves in a position, like of submission under the Word itself, and learn from it. So, number one, we have to revere Scripture. Revere Scripture. What do you think "revere" means? Somebody, give me a definition for "revere." Awe of to hold in high esteem. To hold in high esteem. I think that's a good way of thinking about the stand in awe of. You got something for us?
1: To to treat it and realize and hold it up in light of what it really is. So like understanding that it is what Psalm one nineteen says it is, and like actually owning it and thinking that, like actually believing that instead of just like saying that.
0: Yeah, instead so of saying it like an incantation.
1: Yeah, um. knowing that it actually does do something that it actually is God's Word.
0: Yeah. What's up, Daryl? It's good to see, you, brother.
1: Understand that you know I mean it's the holy word of the Lord. Yeah. It should be revered. Absolutely. His word.
0: Absolutely. It should be because it comes from God, right? We we must first have reverence toward the scriptures. It is God's word. It is therefore infallible. I want you to hear these words. Infallible, as in cannot fail, will not be shown to be false. Sufficient, so it is all you need for godliness, and authoritative. So what he says comes with the full force of let there be light. Okay, so it's coming with its full creative authority and power um, to change our hearts. It's also sufficient because it comes with that kind of authority. So, it one of the dangers that we talked about last week was reading someone else's um, like books about the Bible or about a certain portion of the Bible or about. Now, reading books about the Bible is good, but if you're not reading the Portion of that Bible of the Bible itself that they're talking about—it's what you're doing—is you're you're just kind of eating the regurgitated, you know, substance of what this person has already gone through. Instead of looking at the Bible for yourself and saying, "Okay, how am I supposed to understand this?" And so we're going to get to the tools in a second, but we have to understand that the Bible is sufficient, and we don't necessarily need the other. Books to read. Now I read lots of books, so don't hear me say it poopo on any books. In fact, I've got a whole a whole bag to go through with you uh, about books that will not regurgitate the Bible for you, but they'll teach you how to read it better. Teaching you how to read it better is a good thing. Regurgitation and using that as your primary source of Bible reading is probably not a good thing. So I'll just say it won't. It isn't a good thing. So. Remember, it's infallible, sufficient, and authoritative. Um, we'd also, I'll add, inerrant. So it is without error. It comes from God, and it, God is perfect, and therefore it is without error. Um, we must not approach the Bible in a flippant or careless manner. Instead, we ought to emulate the Christians at Thessalonica, where Paul writes, about, writes this about them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So, to say that we come to the scriptures full of reverence for them does not mean that we need to get all dressed up, put our game faces on for the day, guzzle down our two cups of coffee, eat our our Wheaties, and then attack. No the one that reveres Scripture and holds it in high esteem is the one that prepares their heart no matter the time of day or circumstance when they crack open God's Word. And so I found a, um, I found a good way of kind of like preparing my heart to understand this. I um, mean, it's it's kind of centered on the Psalms and how the Psalms speak about the Bible. But it can be as simple as this. It can be simple as this. Um, think... Thanking God for his word, asking him to reveal himself in it, and then asking him to satisfy you with it. So, thank you, like, thank him for his word that he's given it. <clears throat> Ask, asking him to show you what it means, basically. And also, I'm um, asking, I totally forgot what that last third one was.
1: Satisfy,
0: satisfy you. Uh, satisfy you with it. So, it's not just thanking him for it and... Asking him to show you something, but asking you to be satisfied by it. The word of God actually gives us in the Psalms, you know, satisfy us with your word in the, in the morning as like morning dew or something along those lines in Psalm 118. So anyway, first thing, we have to review our scripture. And that brings us to our second point. We need to have humility and a sincere dependence upon God. So, humility and sincere dependence. So, why do you think those two things go together? Why do humility and sincere dependence go together? In order to admit that you're be thinking somebody else, you have to humble yourself 100%, right? In order to submit yourself under something, you have to actually admit that you need it, right? You have to admit that, okay, I am in need of this. And so humility is saying, I am not better than this thing, but I need this thing. And a sincere dependence upon God himself is like, I need God to speak through this thing. And I am not going to put myself in authority over it. So we need to have humility and a sincere dependence upon God as we spend time in his word. We have to acknowledge ourselves as wholly dependent upon the Lord to illuminate the scriptures to us. And the reformers call the activity of God, by which the truth of his word is pressed unto the mind and consciousness of his people, as the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. Um, have you ever had someone say, well, God told me? You may have actually said that. Well, here's the, here's the thing, is if it's not in here, what you may have heard is, may, it may have been God, but how would you know? But how would you know? So we let's attribute the things of God to God. And we humbly say, he's given us a word. He has given us a final word in Christ. And so to say, God told me to go take this job, while it's fine as it goes, you may not be able to find that in here. And it, may, and it is misleading to people who don't know the Lord or understand what you're trying to say. You may just feel like, I am feeling this leading to take this job, right? God is making it obvious, Corey, take this job, right? But he's, not, but he's not saying in his word, and for you to read, Corey will take the job at Southside Baptist Church in October 2019, he didn't do that, right? And so what he did say is he made it abundantly clear that I'm supposed to be here, right? And so I walked in through that door. But let's be careful about how we speak, about how God speaks to us, because the word of God is the only clear speaking that we have, <laughs> even though he internally witnesses to us, especially when he presses it upon us and changes us by its words. Okay? Um, Tell me about a danger of saying, well, God told me. Like, tell me something that may possibly go wrong by saying that. It can
1: be used as a tool to prevent anyone else from questioning what you're saying.
0: Did everybody hear that? It could be used as a tool to prevent anyone else from questioning what you're saying. Well, God told me that I'm supposed to do this. God told me that I'm supposed to drink this thing or do this thing or be this way or think that I'm the opposite gender or any of those other things. The problem is is every one of those things are idolatrous statements because it's all centered on you and what you wanted and using God, this is the, literally the meaning of taking the Lord's name in vain. Okay, The literal meaning of taking the Lord's name in vain is attributing something to God That is antithetical, the opposite of what God would ever say. So, does that make sense? So we want to take the Lord as word and not attribute our own wants and desires to him as if he had said them. Okay? Because that that is a literal violation of of his his commandments. So we go to the scriptures with prayerful and mindful of our reliance upon the Lord as we spend time in his word. Psalm 119, like we've already read, gives us various verses on, on, on good ways that we could actually like, appropriate, appropriate the words of the psalmist and incorporate them into our prayers. But one of the verses that I love and I use all the time is Psalm 119, 18, verse 18. So Psalm 119, verse 18 says this, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That's a simple prayer, right? You may not say anything else, but open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Your law being the word that has been pressed or given to you by God. Law not in, not in a rule book. Not as in a rule book, but as in the law, like the, the given word of God. Does that make sense? So we must revere scripture. We must have humility and dependence upon God. But number three, we must have receptive hearts. We must have receptive hearts. Can someone turn to James 1, 22 to 25 for me and be ready to read when I get there? So we need this receptive hearts in order to profit from God's word. And we see this in the parable of the sower. Where Jesus likens a receptive heart to good soil. When the seed of the word is sown in such a heart, it takes root and bears fruit, pleasing to God. And so James, in the same vein, exhorts us to be doers of the word, not only hearers, right? He says, uh, he he writes in James 1, 22, 25 this. Who wants to read it for me? 1, 22 through 25. I
1: got
0: it. Okay. But
1: being doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does.
0: This one, and this follows right behind James 1.17, which says, every good and perfect gift, Comes from the Father of lights, right? And, and this, this is a, um, this is a, a call to take hold of that gift, right? That gift that has been given to us in His Word. So we must have receptive hearts. And the Bible should not only instruct our minds, but also transform us. So if, if we're walking with God, or if we're we're reading the Bible and it's not changing who we are, then we need to pray harder (laughs) for it to change you. Right, reading your Bible as an incantation, and I keep saying that because that's how I was kind of like raised. If you say this enough times, like it's a mantra, um, like uh, Philippians four thirteen. Anybody? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he talking about? Do you know? What is it, Jed? You can endure. He's talking about endurance, right? He's talking about endurance in every kind of trial, right? He's talking about submitting to the sovereignty of God. He's not saying, I can lift this table and I can you know, move it into my house by myself because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can't go out and win this football game because I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, I'm going there.
1: <laughs>
0: I didn't put it in my eye black this morning, but you know what I mean. So all, those, all that to say is, it's not an incantation, it's not a mantra that to be like to just Gregorian chant your way through. It is something that needs to be ingested, digested, understood so that we might be able to move forward. So the goal of Bible intake is to grow in conformity to Christ through a changed life. If we are not changing, remember the cross chart what I was giving you, if you're not growing in your knowledge of God's holiness and the knowledge of your sinfulness and your gratefulness for the cross and what Christ has done, then you are not growing in Christ. You're not growing in sanctification. So let me ask you this, at this point, quietly to yourselves, ask yourself this simple question, am I growing in Christ Jesus? Am I growing in gratefulness? Is what I'm doing with my life causing me to look more like Jesus and his word and less like my own wants and desires prior to being converted? Or am I just kind of the same kind of guy? Poor girl. Now, here's the good news. If the answer is I kind of look like the same guy, there's grace for you. Here's here's the good thing about this is that you're here right now and God has planned and appointed this time for you to hear that so that you might Pick up the sword of truth and read. Oh, yes, we're talking about the armor of God. Um, it's all over the place. But here's the deal. Is take up and read. Depend on him. Look to him for all of your life and godliness. And all those other things that you've been afraid of, all those other things that are going away, they will all pass away. I personally love the, the line, and turn your, turn your eyes upon Jesus Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of what? His glory, his glory and grace. How do you know of his glory? How do you know of his grace? If you're, not, if you're ignoring his glory and his grace, you're going to be more and more like the world and fearing what they fear than you will understanding and knowing the Lord. So with that, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. So Bible intake methods. Who here follows a certain Bible intake method? You know, when I say that is, does anybody read like on a schedule? And do you have like a schedule that you follow for Bible reading? Yes? Uh, like do you use make this the McShane, the Robert Murray McShane uh, Bible reading plan? No? That's a great one, by the way. Read through the New Testament twice, Psalms, Proverbs twice, and the Old Testament once in a year. Um, it's a great one. Uh, does anybody use any like set reading plans that they want to like...
1: So I, I use the Bible app and go through the, not all their plans, but find plans that whatever season I'm in to okay. help read in the morning just to get things going and see Scripture. How and how
0: it like, directly relates to your world. That's a good idea. Does anybody... So I want to commend to you a couple of things. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of this, and I'm going to do it very quickly. But next week, we're going to talk about reading the Bible for yourself, and how what we look for in Scripture is what we get out of Scripture, basically. Um, so, but before we get there, I want to talk about three intake methods... Three methods of how we hear God's word. Number one, we hear God's word. Number two, we read God's word. Number three, we study God's word. Hear, read, study. Those are just the basic headings, okay? So we need to hear God's word regularly. We should regularly be sitting under faithful preaching. Preaching is a means of grace. In other words, it's a A conveyance of God's grace to his people, ordained by God for his glory, as well as the good of his people. So throughout the Bible, God uses public teaching of his word to communicate his truth to his people. So in the first way that this happened was in the garden. What did God say to Adam in the garden? Does anybody remember off the top of their head?
1: Naming
0: the animals. Okay, naming the animals was part of it. There it is. Eat every, freely of every tree except for that one, um, and and he, you know, he did say uh, take dominion over all of the earth, and that's part of that taking dominion looks like not eating of that tree. By the way, um, however, he communicated to Adam, and what was Adam's duty after that? To obey what was revealed and to. Communicate God's word to his wife,
1: Eve.
0: Well, now, what happened with Eve? Eve ate of the tree. But what, there's a real key here that what did she say to the serpent when the serpent said, did God really say, you will surely die? What, what did she say? What did she say in return? She said, she she said we, will not, we cannot eat of it or nor not, touch, touch it. it. She, added to she added to the word. Of the Lord, she
1: also took away
0: from it. and she took away from it. And she, took the word freely, Adam. she took the freely right portion of it out of what God had said, and inserted in another law. And so, Adam was it? Who, who's who is considered the sinner in this situation? Adam, Adam. did Eve sin? Yes. Well, what was Adam's sin? What well, is not communicated to her. Right, First, it was not communicating to her and making sure she knew the word of the Lord as it was handed down. And so that's how God has dealt with us since the beginning. Since the beginning, he has gone to a covenant keeper or someone he's made a covenant with. And he has said, do this. You are my people. I I am your God. And do this. And here's the terms of this covenant. And now your job is to convey the terms of this covenant. And everybody who is a covenant keeper, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, were people who were to convey the word of God to the people of God no matter what situation it was. So they were to learn, okay, what, what does it mean that he will not leave or forsake us? What does it, what does it mean that we're supposed to um, live for the flourishing of the place that I'm in? Like, that's not like... Bible. That's not direct Bible, but that is exactly what happens later on. He condemns them for not actually doing what Adam was supposed to do and expanding the borders of the garden. Anyway, um, all that to say God has been a speaking God and we are to emulate God, right? We're supposed to imitate him and do the same thing. So we're supposed to be handing over God's word to the people that we are entrusted with. And every place where we have failed has been a direct very similar to what Eve did, right? A twist of scripture, a misunderstanding of what was asked, a, 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 a willful disobedience even, um, even, in the, even in Christian circles. So we must hear God's word first so that we might learn how to communicate God's truth. And we see this taking place in Deuteronomy. Before Israel crosses the Jordan River to take possession of the promised land, Moses teaches the people about God's past deliverance. Deuteronomy is a series of seven sermons that, or well, at least in my estimation and a lot of others, a series of seven sermons that Moses gives to the people as they go into the promised land. But where was Moses? What was Moses going to do? Was Moses going with them? No. But what was his job?
1: To, to tell them.
0: To tell them what God needed them to do, how they were supposed to live.
1: But the the other thing, too, is, is all through, especially the Old Testament, all through that, as numbers get less and less, he always has a remnant of his word that somebody gets that is yep. told to pass it on fire or major prophets, whatnot. And this week at camp with all the girls, that was the beginning part of um, our message was, you may be that remnant in your world when you leave. You may be that remnant that knows his word, that knows the gospel message that you should be pushing out. Because we get believers get smaller and smaller as the years go by. And statistically is what they're saying. So you could be the only one that knows what God has said and you should be the one passing it on. Yeah, it's, but I, it's amazing that he did that. He has a remnant. He's always. always the most Random person. It's not the teachers. It's not, you know, it's the common person that he leads his word with to pass on. So it, I mean, yeah. It just, it just struck me
0: that. And, and that passing on God's word has been happening since the beginning, right? And so, yes. the Nehemiah 8, 8 8, after they've been exiled and they come back, um, Nehemiah 8 8 says this uh, the, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and it gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Right, and this pattern kind of continues through the entire Bible. Um, there's always someone who is giving the true words of God to the people of God. The resurrected Christ even appears to Peter and urges him to feed his sheep. Right, Peter had denied Christ three times. He was as far as you know most people's judgment that he just he did the very wrong thing. He did. He, he was sinning. But Christ Christ. Uh, Words to him were not, you're a sinner. He says, basically, now you know, go feed my sheep. So that is what he's calling us today. And if we do not know and we do not hear um, Christ in his word, we will not be able to feed his sheep. That is not the work of a pastor. That is the work for every Christian, right? Now, pastors particularly do it for a large group, And the, we are to feed the sheep, the flock of the Lord as under shepherds, right? But we are not the only people that can speak the word of God. Amen. You as a Christian have that very, that very duty also and very responsibility, right? You Honestly, it should not be a burden to you. It should be life giving, right? It should be, hey, I know what you're about to do is do something you want to do, but the Lord says this, and this is more beautiful, this is better, this is what God says will be blessed, and so let's go this way. That's usually how this works out, right? If, uh, if my wife and I are having a conversation, and it's, she's frustrated or I'm frustrated, the first reaction, uh, our first reactions are typically bad reactions, uh, That goes for me too, and my wife will look at me and say, how are you being satisfied in the word? How are you hearing God's voice right now? Because I may be reading scripture all the time, and that's typical of being in school and being a pastor. You, kind of just, you read this a lot. But it also shows a disconnect between our hearts that we can ignore what it means, and we can find ourselves being less patient with people when we should be more patient You can find ourselves being less gentle with others because it's much easier for me just to say, hey, right? Much easier. Is that godly? Sometimes. If they're going to run off a cliff, yes. You better be screaming. (laughs) But if it's a gentle correction or a discipline of our children or any of those things, that discipline looks like a huge scale, right? But it all looks like pointing them back to the Lord. Right? It should, should look back to God and ground that discipline in him. So there's a lot more to be said about this. It is 10-15, uh, but number one, we need to hear God's word. And so let me leave you, to this, leave you with these things. How can you hear God's word on a weekly basis? Number one, you can join a GC, join a gospel community. And the reason why I say that is because the, the word should be read, and also should be communicated in some way in a gospel community setting. Whether that's, you know, admonishing one another, teaching one another, or a a focused Bible study, that's a place you can hear the word, a gospel community. Number two, Sunday night prayer gatherings. You can hear the word opened up in a Sunday night prayer gathering. And you can hear us pray according to scripture and the needs that we have. Um, Another one is a one-to-one discipling relationship. So if you don't have a one-to-one discipling relationship, it's very, <clears throat> you can get by with it, but h- how do you know you are growing without someone else telling you, or you like, holding you accountable to growth? Right? That, that's, that's one <clears throat> way to do it. One-to-one discipling relationship. Sunday morning gatherings. Our Sunday morning gatherings are filled with scripture from the very beginning to the very end. Right? It is all about reading the word, praying the word, singing the word, preaching the word, and seeing the word lived out. And the reason why is because we believe strongly that that is the only word that we can give you. Good advice is only good advice. And it doesn't work in every single uh, instance. And it's, it's fleeting and good advice changes. But the word of God stands forever. And we want to put that into your minds and hearts. And so while we are having these like whole, these are all corporate things, right? Uh, for hearing God's word. We should be active in our hearing, not passive in our hearing. And we need to come to the word and to our gatherings with eager anticipation. This is the key. Remember we talked about preparation of the heart? We talked about praying. Uh, open the eyes. Open my eyes and I'm satisfy the wonders of your truth, right? If you're not preparing your heart for this moment or for the church gathering itself, I'm not talking about like sitting in An hour of prayer, although that would be great. You would find that very, very, very helpful. But if you're not preparing your heart to hear God's word, even in the midst of these things, you're going to be like, what did I get out of this? But here's the thing. If the word's present and it's preached, it's sung, it's read, it's seen, how, where's the disconnect? Is it you or the the mode that it's been presented? The word's being presented, so disconnect connects with you. So we need to like till our hearts, right? We need to prepare our hearts to hear God's word and eagerly anticipate what he's going to do. So we need to ask God to apply his word to our hearts that we may grow in holiness and be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. You can do this throughout the week, but I'm going to caution you on something. You do this throughout the week through podcasts, for instance, and listening to other people's sermons. Those are good. I do want to preface this with those were not preached to you those were preached to a certain people in a certain place at a certain time and so there's a context to the hearers and a context to the preacher and so understanding what's going on there is that preacher is conveying the word of god to the people of god in front of him that is where those words are directed you can glean stuff from podcast preachers and other people like i love listening to piper i I do I love listening to his Romans series. He went through Romans in like I think it was 18 years. It was something crazy. So there's a ton of them, um, and I can. It was eight, I think it was eight years, not 18. But the 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 point of it is is you can glean something from those sermons, but those cannot be the primary way you hear from the Lord. And the reason why is because that preacher, Piper, was preaching to those people in his church. Uh, the preacher here, Johnny, myself, whoever's in the pulpit is preaching to you. And so this would be uh, the primary means of hearing God's word, not a podcast. Does that make sense to everybody? You can't primarily hear what was not meant for your ears first. Does that, does that make sense? I, I have a hard time with this. I've had a hard time with this and growing in my understanding of how God shapes his people through the preached word. And so I just want to encourage you. If you don't quite understand what I'm saying, it's fine. But what I would do is eagerly anticipate to hear God's word preached at any moment, whenever you can, okay. And if you're a member here, uh, this this is the body where God has placed you to hear God's word primarily preached, okay. And so let's listen because it's being aimed at you. It's ten twenty. I'm way behind and nowhere near the end of this pamphlets. That's just how this goes, right? So um, we want to prepare to receive receive the word by revere scripture, um, being humble and dependent upon God, have receptive hearts, and our first intake method that we've talked about is receiving or hearing God's word, okay? With that, let's pray, and then we will prepare our hearts for worship. Father in heaven, Lord, make your name holy in our hearts by what we've heard and what we will hear. Lord, show us the wonders of your glory and grace in these next few moments as we lift our voices in praise of your name, praise of your works. Lord, as we pray your scriptures, Lord, help us to be transformed into the image of your Son. Lord, show us your glory, show us your ways, transform us more and more each day into your son's likeness. Show us the importance of reading your word and pressing it upon our lives.
1: Lord, we pray all these things in Christ's name and the power of the Spirit. Amen.